is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. We are live exclusively on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Thank you for joining us on this Wednesday. Up north, it is snowing, so uh, everyone, please stay safe out there in the roads. Um, Carl Coulange for the sports hit list by the fans and for the fans. Let me introduce my panel. We have the self-proclaimed commissioner. How you doing, sir? Doing good. Boys won. Good. Regardless if it was a game, it's still a dub. I'm doing good. <laughs> Declan, how you doing, sir? You say you're not a Bills fan, but you're wearing a Bills jersey, so I, I don't know what that means. Well, it means I like Josh Allen. I'm uh, I'm a resident New Yorker, so I'm allowed to do this. Uh, <laughs> just, I'm not. I'm not gonna act like we claimed them years ago. Uh, uh-huh. Hey, listen, man. My two biggest two biggest Bills haters aren't here today. I'm very sad about it, but otherwise, I'm very happy to be here. All right, and we have Rockland County's favorite son, Mr. Ricardo Etienne. How you doing, sir? Doing good, man. Doing good. Been a while, man. It's good to be back on the screen, man. Yeah, man. You working these uh, uh, holiday hours, uh, knocking you yeah. out the, the lives, man. Yes, but that's that retail life. I know. <laughs> Appreciate I know. it, man. Appreciate well, it. As well, long as well. I'm always welcome. <laughs> Listen, well, thank you for all you do, man. That retail life, uh, I praise the people who do it because I couldn't. <laughs> Yeah, man, last last minute, man. We down to you know a week. If y'all ain't got that list wrapped up yet, get to it. Online shopping has saved my life, my Christmas holiday yeah. season. So I'm good with the online. But gentlemen, we are wrap up week 14. We're on our road to the to the playoffs. It's getting really tight here, especially in the hitless streets in, the, in, in our race for first place. We're tied right now, 120 points apiece. <laughs> Rick and Travis are tied. Ray is trailing by two at 118. Paul has 112, and Walmack leads Travis by two, 114 to 112. Ooh. So uh, it's a close race. Um, what's, our week. T- yeah. week. what's our biggest takeaway from week 14, Kamish? Um, The biggest takeaway I have, I wanted to see how the team um, looked after their big win of the season, the Browns. Um, even though they lost, they looked like they are – a serious team right now. Like, I'm not saying like a title contender or nothing, but they look way better. Um, I'll give them more credit than I would have normally given them before. I mean, it was a good game against the Ravens. Baker looked good. The run game was, the defense wasn't all that, but they made some plays. But in the end, um, Lamar came through. But um, that's my biggest takeaway of this week was the Browns. They didn't do what the Browns normally do, which is a, uh, after a win, after a big win, they, the media gives them the hype. And next week after, they get blown out. So that's me. Yeah. That's just my. As we see our regulars pulling up to the comments, the common term is you're in the streets of the hit list. We got uh, <laughs> Manny's here. Joel is here. These guys are always here pulling up. Thank you for the love and support. I believe Where? Declan's mom is here too. Caitlin Kelly Krogman. So shout out to her for watching. Is that that's exactly. That's yeah, exactly. So shout out to mom for watching. We definitely appreciate the uh, the love and support. But Declan, talk your ish. Uh, the Bills uh, beating the Steelers. I know you've been waiting to, to talk your talk. So talk your talk, bro. It's all you. Listen, I've been laying low all week about the Bills. Because uh, to quote my man Lil Wayne, real G's moving silence like lasagna. You don't to talk that much about it. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead go for yeah. it man <laughs> come on now uh josh allen the bills look really good stefan diggs is a machine solidifying himself as a top five receiver the bills defense which has been shaky all year shut down a good team uh that i said was overrated and now that they've dropped two in a row that's starting to look like it's coming to fruition uh and the bills carl and i have both been jumping on since like week one 
even before that. I, I have, yeah. Tell them that for sure. Absolutely. I got you back. I got you back. Uh, when I predicted that uh, Josh Allen would be an MVP candidate in August, uh, that's kind of fallen off, but he performed like it for like four weeks. Uh, but I'm not going <laughs> to pat myself on the back on that. But yeah, the Josh Allen uh, led Bills look really good. Uh, they look like they're going to win the division. Uh, I think since the first time, since before Josh Allen was even born. So that, that should be fun. Uh, that might not even be my biggest takeaway. Uh, I think my biggest takeaway might be the Giants losing. Uh, that kind of whole disaster. Uh, disaster that may have cost them the division. Uh, I mean, maybe the Bills aren't my biggest takeaway, but a lot of big takeaways. Mitchell Trubisky playing for a job again. Uh, playing for his future in Chicago. Lack thereof. Maybe there'll be more uh, in that department for Mitch Trubisky. But yeah, overall, big week in football. A lot of narratives uh, that were fulfilled, not fulfilled. Uh, an exciting football around, and I can't wait for next one. So, Rick, uh, I know you went solo on that Dolphins pick. I know it was a homework yeah. pick. Um, and as we were talking before we went on live about your chances to still make the playoffs, you, you still giving your team a shot, or is it a is, is it is it a done done deal? No, not happening. Yeah. So, so one of the things I'll say is that um, obviously folks are going to look at it as a homer pick and as a biased pick, and you know I stand by it. With even if I wasn't a Dolphins fan. Um, based on how they have looked so far, specifically on defense. Um, I was very confident going into that game that we were able to take that game. Uh, the defense showed up. Uh, Mahomes came in having thrown only two interceptions on the entire season, threw two interceptions in the first three possessions, you know, ended up with three interceptions total. Um, this defense came out and they did their thing. Um, one of the things I mentioned on Sunday that kind of almost deterred me from making the pick and, and, and walking it back a bit was the fact that Gaskin wasn't playing. You know, I knew that not having him in that offense was going to kind of um, hurt our chances to be as dynamic as possible on offense, which is what we saw. We weren't able to get touchdowns off of those turnovers, which eventually essentially is what kind of killed us, you know, 80 total yards rushing. Um, we gave up that punt return. The safety was was ridiculous. You know what I mean? So, you know, three three key things right there that kind of really held us back. But, you know, it is what it is. An L is an L, but I like what I saw from that defense. They continue to go out there and turn the ball over. I think it's like 19 straight games now or something like that that they forced a turnover. Uh, we do have the best corner in the league, and I dare anybody tell me different. Uh, Xavier Howard is an absolute monster. That is a lockdown, shutdown corner. I think it's eight straight games with an interception now or something like that. So um, I absolutely feel like we still um, are on path to make the playoffs. This is a game most people didn't think we were going to win anyway. Um, so again, I don't think losing this game necessarily completely ruins our season. We have some winnable games down the line, some key games down the line. Uh, specifically going uh, going up against the Patriots this coming week. That's a game we have to win. Uh, we lost to them already. If we're going to show that we're turning the tide here in this division and, and going to be taken seriously along with the Bills as the division contenders, we need to win this game. We've got a game up against um, the Raiders, which essentially is a playoff game because that can knock one of us out. You know, we close it out with the Bills, depending on how things go, even the division might still be in play. So, Definitely confident with what I saw. End of the day, man, Tua continues to get better. He threw his first interception of his career this past week, and it was off a tip ball that hit uh, Grant right in the hands and should have been a catch, you know. So um, definitely as 
positive as I can take a loss, you can say, um, coming out of Sunday. But I think we're still on track to uh, get into that dance. Um, so uh, according to Manny Wright or Manny Schefter, we like to call uh, Hollywood <laughs> Brown is on the COVID list. Ravens just tweeted it. Um, and uh, Travis is still in the comments. He's giving out game balls, apparently, even before we get to that part of the show. We're not <laughs> Travis, hold your horses, brother. We're not, we're not there yet, man. Um, my biggest takeaway, uh, the Eagles, and I talked about it. You know, I talked about it in the pregame, and I talked about, you know, the quarterback change. Um, everyone on the panel had, except for Pete, shout out to Pete, who's up for Rookie of the Year nominations, by the way, um, in the sports hit list. Uh, he went with the Eagles. Um, was that a was that a fluke win or a statement win, Ray? Um, right now it's a fluke win until they do other things besides that. Um, what do I gotta say? Jalen Hurts did enough to win the game. He looked good. Um, the running aspect definitely um goes out. He he made enough plays, but um, <clears throat> I I just honestly I feel like the the Saints just um we're taking it a little bit too lightly, but I can't, I'm not going to knock him and say he didn't play good. He played, he played well enough, but as of right now, until I see more evidence, I'm just going to chalk it up as a fluke though. Okay. Declan, is it a fluke or a statement win? I think it's a little bit of both. I mean, it's a, when you change quarterback, you change the entire culture of the team. I uh, included mm-hmm. Sunday. We saw that it was for the better as that was probably one of their hardest opponents of the year. Uh, and they went down and beat them on their home on their own home, home turf. Uh, Jalen Hurts looked good. I was impressed. I think he runs crazy. That might come back to bite him, whether it be injury or he had the big fumble on Sunday. Uh, shout out to Pete. That was a great pick. I mean, we'll see going forward. It's it's nice in Philly, I'm sure, to have a quarterback that throws balls to the uh, the same team, the team wearing the same uniform. Uh, <laughs> it's, a, it's a nice little cha- it's a nice little change there, change of the culture in Philly. I'm sure their uh, annoying fans love it. Uh, maybe it is a fluke. Maybe it isn't. I mean, it is a Saints team. Could be the number. It's uh, perhaps the number one defense in football, so that that shouldn't be taken lightly. Uh, but definitely on the offensive side, that team is lacking, whether it be weapons. Taysom Hill has been good this year so far, uh, but that was probably his first toughest opponent, uh, and he had good moments and some bad moments. Uh, and unfortunately, in a loss, sometimes the bad outshines the good. But Jalen Hurts really performed. I'm going to go a little bit more for the side of a fluke. But, hey, I mean, we'll see moving forward. But I don't know if this team is well-rounded enough to pull out some more wins like that. So, Rick, would you agree with the rest of the panel? Was it a fluke or would you say more of a statement win? So here's the thing. Um, I, I think – I honestly – I feel like it's one game, so it's tough to really answer that question. I think what's more important is what it means for the Eagles specifically just going forward. Um, even beyond, you know, these last few weeks of the season – whether they can still win the division or not. I'm talking even after that. What we saw on Sunday was, you know, maybe a changing of the guard. So Paul has been on, you know, has had Peterson on the hot seat all season. And one of the things we've constantly said is that, you know, winning a Super Bowl in in Philly has has garnered him a a level of clout that is going to allow him to hold his job. Guess who hasn't won a Super Bowl in Philly? Carson Wentz, remember, he was not the quarterback when they won, you know? Mm. So you got Jalen Hurst in there, first time out there starting, he wins a game. You got some teammates coming out here making some comments that that seem to imply that maybe they've been on board with putting Hurts in there from a while ago, you know? So if this team within that locker room 
has already turned on Wentz. And now you've got Jalen in there performing, depending on what we see down the line here at the end of the season, whether they win, whether they go into the playoffs or not, Carson Wentz might have played his last game in Philly. And it might be crazy to say because, you know, they are pretty much tied to him for a whole lot of money. But we've seen crazier things happen in the league. This is a city specifically that if they are on board with something, it's going to happen. So if those fans get behind the fact that they no longer want Wentz as their quarterback, I mean, the Eagles are going to have to make a decision, and and it's going to be really interesting to see what that decision looks like. Well, that decision, too, is tough because, I mean, they're still paying Wentz. So it's like, all right. Exactly. A lot of money, too. A lot of money. So what do you do? Yeah, everyone's talking Everyone's talking about him getting traded, but who's going to take on that contract? They're going to either have yeah. to cut him, or if somebody in that organization thinks that they could fix him, for the price you're paying, they're going to try to fix him. And that's unfortunate. Jalen Hurts is put in a tough situation, as was Carson Wentz when they drafted him. It's a messy yeah, situation, exactly. regardless of how it turns out. I'm not a believer in that's how you operate as a, as a franchise, personal. Mm-hmm. But, we now, don't even- but again, the, the biggest <laughs> issue is – Hold on, Ray, real quick, just to pick back on it. The biggest issue, again, there are there are a handful of cities where this specific issue gets magnified, and Philly is one of those cities. So you say, yeah, if somebody within that organization feels like they can still uh, fix Wentz, and, and that might be the move going forward, that's cool to say, and that might fly in maybe, you know, 26, 27, 28 other franchises, but Philly's one of those cities where, you know, it could be God himself within that organization that says, I can fix Wentz. If those fans are not behind it, it's going to be tough. To, it's going to be tough yeah. to stick with that plan. Um, we got Jonathan Gonzalez in the comments. Uh, John Gonzalez, excuse me. He said Wentz will be traded and a lot of teams will want him. That's his, that's his take. But we'll see. Like I said, um, there's three more games. We're going to see how Wentz does before all the other things Um you know, we start talking about the trading or what they're going to do with Wentz, you know. Um, like you guys said, there's a lot of money tied to him. He's just mm-hmm. beginning his contract. Um, can he be fixed? Maybe. Or, you know, or we could just chalk it up as a really bad season. Um, so, as of right now, the jury's still out, you know. But um, like Rick also said, that's one city you don't want that issue with because Philadelphia fans are very wishy-washy. They'll turn on right. you. <laughs> yeah, they let you know how they feel. Uh, Ray, I want to show a shout out to you for going with the Chargers. Everybody else went with the Falcons. That's a good pick right there. Um, and the other, the other team, the other, no one gained the points on were the Texans versus the Bears. Uh, the Bears ended up winning Man. the game. Uh, I know that was a disappointment. How, how do you guys feel about that? I just didn't want to go with the Bears, man. The Bears have not looked good at all. That was, they shocked me that game. The offense wasn't looking good. The defense wasn't really clicking like they normally do. I think that's mainly because the offense wasn't really performing. Um, but they won. I was shocked. And, you know, I, I had I had the Bears on. Don't pick I don't pick the Bears anymore. I haven't picked the Bears in a while. So, hey, they just a good win for them, so, I guess. Um, so shout out to Rick right there real quick. Uh, Low-key. One second, Rick. Low key with the soccer in the background. I see you, man. You you find some way to sneak in the soccer in there. I'm pushing it, man. We're going to get on here. We're going to get on it. Hey, shout out to the soccer chat, yo. Yeah, listen, that that soccer chat be lit. I will say this, though. You guys, if you guys need a topic on here, just let me know. I'll throw you guys on. Just tell me what you guys want to talk about because you guys go back and forth, but no one's really telling me they need a topic to talk about. So if you want a topic, just let me know. But go ahead, Rick, to your point. 
Yeah, um, damn, I, I already lost my train of thought. Now I'm back to soccer. What were we talking about? <laughs> Oh, the Bears. Okay, so you mentioned, you mentioned, yeah, you mentioned, uh, Ray mentioned not wanting to pick the Bears anymore. So now I'm at the point where I don't think I could ever, you know, for the rest of the, for the rest of the season, I can't keep picking the Texans, man. It's, it's, it's kind of a double-edged sword because I like, I, I can't even say like, I love Deshaun Watson, man. Like, I, he is one of my favorite players in the league and I want to see him. I really, really want to see him do great. Of all of these, uh, New, new generation quarterbacks outside of Tua, of course. Um, he's probably my favorite, and I want to see him do well. Um, but at the same time, you know, they continue doing bad. It helps the Dolphins out because we got that pick. So, <laughs> um, But, yeah, man, it's, it's going to be tough to be picking them going forward. I really thought that they'd be able to kind of, you know, continue rolling a little bit on offense. We've seen them do well on offense. And I don't know what it was, man. It's just that team is just looking like they're going to have to hit reset, which is – Really, really crazy, you know. It's, when, and when you think of the talent that they had, top to bottom, you know, the past two to three seasons or so. Yeah, and it's. I just find it so interesting. Like, usually when a team is four and nine or whatever they are now, or five and nine, four and nine, whatever it is, um, you you look to the quarterback and you say, "What is this guy doing wrong? Why is he looking bad? What maybe is the offensive line an issue? The running game, mm-hmm. passing game?" Yeah, well, there's every issue on the Texans except one, and that one is number four. By far, exactly. the Texans have the everything else is pass, a mess. Second best pass offense in the league, dead last in rushing, close to the bottom in defense. That team for the like the losses, obviously they fired Bill O'Brien because he was a terrible coach and mm-hmm. a terrible GM. That team is so bad. Like Deshaun Watson, if if this team, if he was on any other team, or even if this team had some was able to pull out some wins down the stretch. Like, he would be an MVP candidate. His numbers are there. The mm-hmm. passing for the Texans are there. Will Fuller, his best receiver, got suspended because of PEDs, uh, which is crazy. I personally think the only reason I picked the Texans was number four last week. And I said I've always been you know, I've always been supporting him, and that's what I said on Sunday. That was my guy. I like Deshaun Watson. I love watching him play. He's one of the stronger quarterbacks in the league. But I got tricked into picking the quarterback narrative. And Mitchell Trubisky, another guy that miraculously was picked ahead of him and Mahomes in the 2017 draft, um, got the dub, got it done for the Bears. So, I guess, you know, shout out to them. That was, that was a great win. But, I mean, Sean Watson, like, like I'm worried for his career going yeah. forward with yeah. all variables considered in Houston. Because you got to think, too, with the whole thing with Watson's, like, despite despite the all of the issues surrounding that organization – surrounding the talent around him he's more or less gotten better every single year he's continuing to progress and he's continuing to do good so what does that do to a young quarterback who's what i think what fourth year now or maybe the third fourth yeah fourth so fourth year now you're going to be going into your fifth year next year and possibly looking at a reset come on man that's not that's not cool and and i'll say one thing man um the the whole notion of having a coach who is also your GM. I understand Parcells had the famous lines, you know, if you want me to be the cook or what is it? If you want me to cook, let me buy the groceries, whatever. The, those two jobs should be independent. The two of them should work together and have an amazing partnership and, and, and both have a say in how you build the franchise. But those two jobs should always be separate, specifically for the reason we're, because of what we're seeing with the Texans right now. 
you go off and you send away the best receiver in the league. And again, he's been up and down this season, but as far as I'm concerned, still, uh, Hawkins is my, is my, is my number, is the number one receiver in the league, in my opinion. You send off the best receiver in the league. This team falls apart. You get fired. Yeah, great. People are like, oh, yeah, well, he gets fired. So he, you know, he owns it. Nah, he's gone. He ain't got to worry about it. We know how the NFL works. We know how they recycle folks. He's going to end up getting a job somewhere else at some point, and it is what it is. But what has he left in his wake? A young stud quarterback who, who now has nothing around him. And, 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 and when his, his career is going to be in flux. Modern day NFL, when these quarterbacks on their rookie contracts, first one or two years, yeah, maybe it'll be a learning year. You go six and 10, you'll go seven and nine and slowly progress. But at some point, the best time to win in the NFL is when you have a quarterback on a rookie contract. Absolutely. You know, Ask Seattle. Russell Wilson, ben Roethlisberger. Yep. Even, though, even, mm-hmm. though, even though those two guys weren't the, necessarily the leaders of their team, as that defense was number one in some of the best yep. defenses we've seen over the past, you know, I guess this century so far. But you, mm-hmm. you have these guys on a rookie contract. You look at Mahomes. Before, mm-hmm. Now they're now they're paying Mahomes. It would be a team friendly, player friendly contract where both sides work out. Um, but you win you win with Mahomes. You win all these guys. Like the, the Rams went to a Super Bowl with Jared Goff when he was yep. a rookie. The Giants won the, with Elon. The, the Bills the Bills are on the verge of doing it now. The rookie contract. Like the list goes on and on. All these teams win, and but I think uh, the thing. I don't like about the head coach being the GM when the head coach is on the hot seat. He's not thinking about the future of the organization. Mm-hmm. That's exactly. why. That's why Bill O'Brien made some of the decisions that he made. You know, giving up all that for that left tackle for Miami, getting uh, getting rid of Thank Hopkins. You. Bill um, Bill O'Brien was not thinking about Houston's future. All he was Which- thinking. Hey, I need to save my job. Keep my job right now. Exactly. Which makes, which makes no sense because they were just in the divisional round of the playoffs. And why would you yeah. think that he – like, he wasn't good. I'm not saying – like, he lost them that game with a fake punt when they were up 24 nothing on their own side of the field. But let's not act like – listen, I'm not a huge Bill O'Brien supporter. I liked him when he first came up. Obviously, looking back now, he was not good. So my take on him early on was freezing cold. Um, but the idea that, you know, he was on the hot seat after that game – the fact that they kept him, maybe he felt like, all right, he needed to make some moves. But what part of trading Hopkins for, what was it, a second-round pick and a washed-up running back, no disrespect to David Johnson, but running back shelf life in this league are not extended. Yeah. yeah. What part of yeah. that thought you were going to save your job, make your team better, or even even help the future? There's no part of that deal that makes any sense. He wasn't experienced. He doesn't – He no. doesn't. with the contracts, like, okay, yes, we know Hopkins wanted a contract – but that doesn't mean you give him away for a second round. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm and that's and that's the other issue too. People talk about the money. Okay, you know, if you know you don't want to pay him, you're gonna send him off. Why wouldn't you want to pay him? Who else you gonna give that money to? Yeah. If you're gonna give that money to anybody, why not exactly. be the best receiver in the league? And it doesn't right. make sense. 100 percent And quickly, Carl, if you don't mind me just just saying, because I know things are tight, but the one thing here that I, I notice is that. They traded him for a second-round pick. There was not, like, a whole league-wide – it wasn't, like, the worst-kept secret that they were shopping. Yeah. When that when that trade went down during the pandemic, during quarantine, the first couple of days, if I remember correctly, in March, we were all like, what? Like, mm-hmm. who needs a – can we get a drug test to Bill O'Brien's office? Like, what is this? It makes no sense. Then, if you even think about it, a year prior, 
it was sort of become, become a little bit of speculation that Odell would get traded. And the Giants somehow got a first round pick and got a haul that looks like they won the trade in the land. And players. Which <laughs> is insane. And DeAndre Hopkins is twice the receiver Odell is. And then they got a second rounder and a washed up running back. Whereas the Giants got a first rounder, a second rounder, and Jabril Peppers, who's solidifying himself as a top safety in the league. So it just makes no sense. Same with the Vikings. Wait, go ahead. Vikings right, got a haul for Diggs, too. Yeah. Ray, 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 go ahead. What were you saying? I said Minnesota had got a first round pick for Diggs, who yep. was not at the time considered top five. Okay. Exactly. I think I think Diggs is great, but he wasn't Hopkins left. That's what I'm saying. I still don't think he is. I understand. So, they got a first for Diggs. It shows you that basically Arizona basically it just took advantage of Bill's up. Exactly. Listen, exactly. before no. Carl, before you move over, this reminds me of something way back in <laughs> way back in the day. I don't know if y'all remember back in the day, and, and I'm gonna make this little analogy. Back in the day when it came out that uh Janet Jackson was dating uh Jermaine Dupree, and everybody was like, What? You know? And I remember somebody tweeting or posting something at the time where they said, finding out Janet Jackson was dating Jermaine Dupree is kind of like finding out a day late that they were giving away free Bentley's. That's that's exactly what it was when everybody saw that trade for Hopkins. Every team in the league must have been like, yo, why ain't you call me, bro? <laughs> I could have done yeah, better yeah, than that. Yeah. Um, let's just change real quick before we're running up on time. I know we normally do our, our – uh, um, you guys get game balls, but we're in the playoff push right now. So um, let's break down. If you look at the AFC, the Bills, Steelers, Titans, mm. and Chiefs are currently in, in first place. Then you got the Colts, Browns. Um, Dolphins and Ravens are tied. So now we're having three teams make the wild card as opposed to two um, in the normal setting. So that playoff push, it, it really comes down, I think, Dolphins and Ravens. I know Rick is saying his Dolphins, but could we possibly make a case for the Ravens here? Yes, we can because the Ravens, they play Jacksonville. They have some easy games that they can win. Yeah. So um, the Ravens right now are definitely the team that should make it to the playoffs because of their last three games. Um who they play? They have Jaguars, Giants, and somebody else. Yeah, so pretty much have it. It's pretty much they just if they went okay. out. So 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 think, it's safe to say those who are in already in. We have no problems with the Bills, Steelers, Titans, Chiefs, and then Colts, Browns, Dolphins, Ravens. You'd say the Dolphins gonna, don't. Say again. Colts will be in. That's a not. I think yeah, Colts, Colts will be in. Browns. Colts are rolling. So that, Colts are rolling. Man. Okay, so so Colts are in. Browns are in. Colts. Colts are Super Bowl. Colts are Super Bowl contenders, and Andrew Luck is the only thing that that team really needs. Okay, so Browns are in. Yes. Okay, so I'm Browns still are in. So I'm then still it comes down fence. to Dolphins, Ravens, and and I think Ray is saying Ravens. Ravens. Declan, you're going Ravens? Declan, are you going Ravens or no? I mean, the Raiders are the Ra- the Raiders are just so disappointing to me. Like they every team they play except the Chiefs. That are even remotely decent. Well, we're not talking about the Raiders. Since the Raiders are seven and six. We're not talking about the Raiders. I'm saying they're done. The Raiders. They're done. Yeah, yeah. We, we, sorry, Manny. We, yeah, like yeah. Your, your team had their chances and opportunities. I guess so. We got, we got got the Browns, Dolphins, and I guess I guess the the Ravens. Oh, yeah. No, Browns, Dolphins, Colts is where I'm going. The Ravens aren't gonna. Yeah. I, I don't have the Ravens. So say that again. You're going Browns, Colts, and Dolphins. Yeah, in no particular order. Um, okay. I'm just saying those okay. are the three that and I Rick, know. And Rick, I already know you stand on your Dolphins. Now moving to the NFC, we got so far yeah. the Washington football team. Now here's the thing, though. Here's what I'll say, though. Hold on. Before we move on, I'm not I'm not giving the Bills the division yet, man. If we take care of business these next two weeks, 
We still play the Bills the last week of the season. All we need them to do is trip up, trip up before they get there. So that division ain't sealed yet. Right, but even if so, though, that that would mean the Bills would get the wild card. So oh yeah, yeah, they'll still get in. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I think okay. it's gonna be it's gonna be he's, Brown he's It's gonna, it's gonna be between the Brown Ravens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. moving along to the <laughs> NFC, Washington right now leads that. That division itself is a wild card, in my opinion. Crazy. Uh, you got the Packers are <laughs> Putting in. Putting it nicely. Saints. Yeah. Packers are in. Saints are in. Rams are in. We don't see that really moving anywhere. Then you get the mm-hmm. Seahawks, Bucks, and the Cards. Is that safe to say for the NFC? Or is there, is there a team that could possibly trump? I don't really see any team in there that could really trump any of the teams that I just named out of the seven. I think, I think the Vikings. The Vikings are close. Ended, ended their chances when they lost this Sunday. It is kind of how I see it. Still, I think the Vikings, because I'm not 100% with the Cardinals, so it's going to come down. And to that's the- that was going to be my Card- point. I think the Cardinals are, are, are not – I'm not in love with them. I think they're inconsistent. I could see them falling off. I mean, they lost four or five before. They're they seven played. and six they're right now. They're five. seven and six. And then after that's, – That's the thing. We've seen, we've seen severe inconsistencies from both the Cardinals and the Vikings. So yeah, whichever so- one of them can put it together to close out the season is going to get into the playoffs. Uh, okay. so- Big man, um, that Washington pick's looking good right now. I'm just saying. Yeah, it is. So, do we have the Rams winning the division or the Seahawks? And and and, and that's a little. Um, I got back the Rams. Too. Um, the defense, like Travis was saying, a couple every time. Offense and defense are in the top ten. They pretty much have the overall better team um, than the Seahawks. So I'm taking the Rams to win that division. Uh, Rick, who you got here? I, I I can't not trust my man Danger Russ, you know. So um, I think when it when it all said and done and the dust is cleared, Russ is going to have the Seahawks winning that division. Declan, it's tough. Uh, I'm going to go with the Seahawks in this one. I think that uh, their offense is overall better. The Rams might be a more well-rounded team, but I can see the Rams sitting into the wild card. Uh, I like Russ. Uh, he's got the he's got Washington this week. I almost slipped up and dead named them quick. Uh, He's got got Washington this week, whether it be Haskins. I think that's a ridiculously easy win if that's the case. Otherwise, Alex Smith will see. Um, But but I I do think that the Seahawks can pull it out. All right. Declan, you had one more thing you wanted to mention here before we go. Yeah. um, Listen, so Charlie Pride, I don't know if everyone knows who he is. Um, He's, in my opinion, he's the goat of country music. Now, I promise this ties into something. Don't worry. Uh, Charlie Pride, uh, he passed away on Saturday. Uh, and today the news comes out that the Negro Leagues um, are finally going to be recognizing the record books for Major League Baseball. In another interesting twist of events, uh, Charlie Pride was actually a pitcher in the Negro Leagues. Uh, he was also a switch hitter uh, when he hit. Uh, he played for the Red Sox and I think the Birmingham Black Barons. Uh, and then he also saw some time in the Yankees minor league system before coming, in my opinion, to go to country music. Uh, how that ties into me personally, I'll get into very quickly. Uh, my grandfather, who, as you guys know, passed away two weeks ago, uh, was a huge fan of his. That was probably one of his favorite country music stars. Uh, and he loved their song, Burgers and Fries, uh, which always reminded him of his wife, who passed away a few years ago, my grandmother. Uh, so, I, you know, he was very upset when he heard this song in May before kind of you know, he, 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 he fell victim to the nursing home situation in New York uh, and the captivity. I don't want to say captivity, but that's kind of what it was. Uh, and, you know, he passed away uh, and my dad played the song for him. And Charlie Pride was a big topic at the funeral. Uh, and then Charlie Pride passed away on Saturday 
on my grand my grandmother and my grandfather's wife's birthday. Uh, so that's kind of how it all ties into me. Uh, but it's a big day for the Negro Leagues, and Charlie Pride uh, was was the heart and soul of them. Played seven years uh, in, in that league, and unfortunately, you know they're starting to give rec- recognition while these guys uh, who played in the Negro Leagues are unfortunately passing on. And it would have been nice if they even did this a week ago, because Charlie Pride a month ago played at the Country Music Awards uh, and was healthy, and then fell victim to COVID. Um, so that's all I'd say about him. May he rest in peace, country music legend. Uh, means a lot to me personally. Uh, and to uh, millions of people around the world and around the country. So thanks for All giving right. me a platform to say that. Absolutely, man. That's what we're here for. Nice. Sports list. You guys, I'll see you on Sunday for week 15 as we get into the playoff push. Oh, uh, go. go ahead, Thursday. sir. Thursday's prediction. Say it again. Thursday's prediction. Oh, yeah, Thursday, Thursday. Yeah, who's playing Thursday? Mish. Always, always on. Go ahead, go ahead, Kamish. Give me your prediction for Thursday's game. Uh, I'm taking the charge. I'm going with the charges one more time. Okay. Ray? I mean, Rick? Damn, I don't even know who playing out there. Who the Chargers playing? Chargers and Raiders. Oof, yeah, come on, man. Give me the Chargers. <laughs> <laughs> damn, man. Sorry, Manny. Sorry, damn, Manny. Damn, <laughs> damn, 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 damn. Uh, somebody else had to pick, too. Uh, yeah, the what's the call is going with the Chargers, too. MVP is going with the Chargers. So, uh, uh, let's do Paul. Manny going to be tight in them comments, yo. Uh, <laughs> Um, we have the Hitless Awards coming up soon. Uh, you guys stay tuned to that. We got the NBA Christmas special coming up. You know, NBA is back. Be on an island here. <laughs> I'm crashing. I'm crashing that special, man. You guys Somebody need to send me that code, yo. I'm crashing. I'll see, I'll see you guys on Sunday. Uh, let me bring in my NBA team. You're watching the Sports Hitless by the fans. The fans live on the Worldwide Sports Radio. Network. Right, Thank you, Declan. Uh, let's talk to some of my NBA guys. Coach, can you turn your phone for me, sir, if you can, possibly? You like that? That's good? Yeah, but you got to uh, turn your screen lock off if you can. I think your screen oh, okay. lock gotcha. is on. All right. Uh, we have our NBA team. Let's see who's here. We got uh, the self-proclaimed co-founder, Mr. Mike Miller. Mike, how you doing, sir? Yo, what's up, my Yo, stop saying self-proclaimed. You better just proclaim me as who I am, my man. <laughs> We no, got the co-founder Ziggy Ziggy's in the building. How you doing, sir? Yeah, I'm here, man. Chilling, chilling. And we got Coach Womack. How you doing? I'm good, man. Can't complain. Can't complain. It is a St. Francis affair. Shout out to the Terriers. Uh, before we get into today's topic, Giannis signs the extension. He got paid five years. I think it's 22-222, right? Or 232? 225. That's a lot of money. It's a lot. It's a lot. Did we expect that to happen? Um, are we happy with him sticking to being to, to being loyal? Um, is that a move? Is, is that the right move for him, or will time tell, Mike? Super happy, man. You know, as as a Reggie Miller fan and seeing my man play on one team for eighteen years and seeing the grind, respecting Dirk, Kobe, man, I'm, Tim Duncan. I'm super excited, especially small market fan. Man, this is dope, man. This is what what this is what I needed to see from Giannis. I need. I thought that. A lot of times he was showing he's really just built to be a number two. But to me, this shows me he wants to be a number one. He understands that his team didn't go far because of things he didn't do. And he's committing himself to staying with his organization, getting better, and then taking them over the top. So, man, I'm super excited, man. This this balances the East out or, or the NBA. Um, it, it's dope, bro. Shout out to Ray and jo, uh, Joel for it's $228 million. Uh, Zig, what are your thoughts here? Was, was, was that the right move for Giannis? Uh, 
I mean, I'm, I don't know what's the right move for that man. I mean, he going to make his decision. But personally, for me, being able to see that take place, it, it was refreshing. You know, every um, offseason, we always look forward to seeing what players going – well, not look forward to, but everyone looks forward to which player is going to be moving, which player is going to be going to which city. So it was just refreshing to really see a big-time superstar like Giannis actually say, hey, I'm actually going to stay put and try to make it work in uh, Milwaukee. I'm looking forward to seeing um, how that combination now works out between him, Chris Middleton, and Drew Holiday, who I feel is probably the most underrated player in the NBA. So I'm looking forward so to So what you're telling me is the media didn't tell him to leave and join somebody else, right? He decided to stay because he did it on his own. The media did, the media and the fans didn't have that's, anything to that's do with between that. You and I, that I, I just wanted to put that out there because someone last week man. told me someone Don't last get... week told me that the media and fans tell players where to go. But Giannis this week decided it's to stay true. with his team. It's true. So I mean what are your thoughts here? I mean, in regards to Giannis, this is not a typical you know, Americanized player who's come through the system of having a lot of yes people or people in his ear telling him what decisions to be made that may benefit them as well. We got to look at that as it's not every situation is different. You know, Giannis's circle, he's, he's from Europe. He's a European player. You know, a lot of times those guys as tend to stay, especially stars like Dirk, they stay on one team. They're pretty much loyal guys. But also a key factor that a lot of people are not talking about is this was a, 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 a weird year in all aspects of free agency. You know, you couldn't get that private jet just to fly you into the city. You couldn't get those face-to-face -face meetings. You couldn't get the fanfare. You couldn't get the wine and dine that a lot of these executives, you know, the house visits that a lot of these executives would take different players. You know, you got a lot of Zoom meetings. You got, you know, more intimate settings. So, you know, I'm happy Giannis, you know, decided what was best for him. I think it's a good step for him. Uh, but I'm not going to chalk it up to just saying, oh, Giannis is super loyal and, and that's why he stayed. I think he, he made a smart decision. Five years, he's still a very young player. That They gave him the most amount of money any other team can give him. After five years, Giannis still has three to four, you know, possibly high-notch years where he still could play at a high level. If he doesn't win in Milwaukee in these five years, I think he's definitely gone, if not before. So I'm not just going to put him to a pedestal and say he's super loyal and that's the decision that he made. We'll see. Tom is going to be able to tell whether this is just a strategic move for the next three to four years for him, or he really wants to, uh, you know, stay in Milwaukee for the rest of his career. Um, we have a question from Rick. He said, Oh, what do you think the Bucks next moves are going to be now that they got Giannis locked in? Like, is there another major move they need to make to get them over the hump or do they think they have enough? But they've traded, they've traded a lot just to get Jeru Holiday. That was their one big move to make. Any other moves would be moves around the edges. So this is pretty much the team they're going to go into the season with. And I think this is a good enough team because you got the piece you needed. Now if Giannis goes to another level, because that's really what all of this is contingent on. If Giannis goes to another level, whether be it, whether it be a, he works on his jump shot or he works on his post game. Either or, if he starts mixing that up and he takes his game to another level, this is the type of NBA uh, post-Warriors where you can win with one elite superstar and other good star players around you. You don't need three elites. So I think they, there's not that you much. Need, I, think you need, you need two, I think you need two elites. Yeah, but Mike, yeah. I just don't I just don't see it. If, if we can go back even, you know, if you go back every NBA season, you know, in the past, you know, even with the Warriors years, after they lost, they went got KD. You know, LeBron still had Kyrie. He lead at that level. This year, LeBron AD. 
yes, Miami got to the promised land, but this was a, uh, like I said, this is a different type of year. If Miami does it again next year, you know, with the same team they have now, then I could say, okay, they're trying to break the mold of saying we don't need two superstars or two superstar level players on the same team in order to compete for a championship. But if the Bucks do not get to the championship this year, you best believe Giannis will be there, but a lot of movement will be made to try and get him a second all-star borderline superstar type player who wants to win a championship because if they don't do it this year with the group that he has, they don't, then they're not going to have enough. Yeah. But Mike, I'm surprised you said that though, because me and you have had conversations where you're telling me KD um, and the Nets with Kyrie are are the team to beat in the East. So how could Giannis even compete with that? Remember my key. If Giannis goes to another level, this is what I'm saying. We've seen before where you have great, and if you think about it, we talk about the Bulls and and their runs. You have one elite, elite player and a star player next to him. Other teams had elite superstars, stuff like that, but you've seen it before. The contingent is, because I believe Kevin Durant's better than Giannis, but Giannis can elevate his game if Giannis elevates his game, hypothetically speaking. If we're just talking about Drew Holiday as a top defender, right? We just talking basketball. He's a top level defender. Can he stop Kyrie? No. But can he guard him to some degree? Sure. So when you have some degree, annoy him a little bit. If you have that, then you have, you essentially have Kevin Durant and Giannis. You have who's going to be the better of the two. If Giannis super, if Giannis goes to another level, and is better than Kevin Durant, then as Mac just said, and as most people are not going to say, oh, they can't go to the finals. So if you're saying they can go to the finals, then that means you're saying they have a chance to win a championship. If that's the case, then it's probably going to be contingent on how great Giannis will be in the playoffs because that's how they kept losing. They were losing mostly because Giannis couldn't go to the next level. He had too many holes in his game and couldn't go to that next elite level. If he does that now then, of course, they can win a championship. We've seen players do that. Hold on, Paul, let me jump in there. So, Mike, let me ask you this. What, what, when you say elevate his game, what do you mean necessarily? Because I had that conversation earlier today with – um, shout out to uh, Nigel Byam. I know you know him, Mac. I yeah. had that conversation with him earlier today about Mac needing uh, – not Mac, but um, Giannis needing to add a jump shot to be able to, you know, transform his game and take it to another level. So, can you just talk more about what you mean when you say elevate his game? So, so, so the two, so the, I mentioned the two things, the two holes, uh, well, the, the holes in his game is his, his mid-range game, right? He doesn't have a mid-range game, right. but there's two things he can do to fix his problems. He can either A, decide I'm going to be Shaq and go to the post more and stay and get more, develop his post game, or he can decide to work on his mid-range and extend it to a three-point line, which makes the defense honest because that wall, he can nullify that wall in a couple of ways. And Jeru Holiday helps nullify the wall because he's a better scorer and better shooter than uh, uh, Bledsoe. So Giannis, those are the things he can do to get better. It's not like Giannis has reached a plateau in skill. He's 25. So he can get better. And if he gets better, think about it now. The way Giannis is now, he's arguably top five player. He's incredible. If he went another level, what do we think about the type of player we're talking about, Zig? If he improves his jump shot, if he gets a dominant post game, like perfect example, LeBron in Miami. Now LeBron had a better skill set than Giannis, but notice in Miami, what he did to expand his game, he started getting his butt in the block like everybody was telling them. They were saying, bro, you 6'9", you 260, get to the block. You can take it. 
that's not why they. That's I, I agree with you on that, but that's not why they won in Miami. Like you gotta, he needs no, no, LeBron. Has, LeBron, and if you want to win, you gotta get another superstar type player next yeah, year. That's just that's it's, just it's, what it's it is. It's hard. It's hard, You're Mike. Not, yeah. It's, it's tough. hard. Like, like, it's tough. We, it's really. But like still really saying he can make it to the finals, though. If we still, saying, I don't know. I, 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 you're saying that. I, I don't think so. I, I, I don't think he can. For, for last year, you had a chance to make it to the finals against another team that didn't have two superstar type players. You know the, the You know, I just don't think it's viable with Milwaukee unless they add another big piece. You want to be a championship level team if you're Giannis. That's why he's saying yeah. it. I want to win a championship. You know, when we we can't just be on LeBron and say we're gonna judge you by your words and not judge. Everybody. Did I lose him? Yeah, you lost him. Okay, guys. Um, let's shift the conversation. I guess we'll, we'll we'll get him when he comes back. But the conversation today was basically to talk about James Harden and Coach Walmack for this segment about uh, what's going on with his situation and what he's doing to a black coach. Uh, Paul is here, uh, Miss Cleo, because he's a very big advocate in the group about black coaches and the opportunities that they get. Um, so, Paul, let me start with you. What are your thoughts about how James Harden is, is, is addressing this new situation with a new coach who is black um, and how he's going about it and, and not showing up to training camp and, um, you know, uh, him not wanting to be there and asking for a trade request? What are your thoughts, Paul? Just hit on mute, bro. You're on mute. Go ahead. All right. First and foremost, thank you for uh, putting me on. Um I do want to say that James Harden isn't acting the way he's acting because Coach Silas is black. So um, I think we got to get that narrative out the way. It's unfair to both of them by, by actually doing that. I think he really, he wants to win. And Houston is not giving him pieces to win. Okay, uh, Coach, you Child, run this. <laughs> Coach, you had this topic here. So uh, what are your thoughts about what Paul had to say? No, I mean, it's just, it's just a conversation that has to be had. Like, I, I don't I don't think, of course, he's not doing this because Paul Silas is, is black. But let, let's let's be honest. New head coach, Paul Silas gets a chance. After all those years, he gets a shot. And the way you handle this situation is you don't show up. The way you handle the situation is you can't be found. The way you handle the situation is immediately say, I want to get traded because I want to win. Like, what is, what is that saying? Like, have you had, I don't know, but have you had conversations with the head coach? Had, who, who sound is that? Somebody has a lot of sound. That's so it sounds like being Saul 3. Is that you in <laughs> Saul 3? Uh, Hold uh, on. Uh, Let me mute him real quick. Paul, oh, he looked like he in the bathroom. Leo, man. <laughs> My man is in Saul. Saul volume 8. Um, but, uh, yeah, I just I, I I don't think that's the way you handle it. Like, and that's not how how you want to represent yourself and, and represent a new coach. Like, this is a new coach who's coming in, immediately comes in his star player, the franchise player who they paid all this money to, who had built the team around. He immediately says, "I want to go," without even return going to training camp, without even figuring out what I have, without even figuring out what we're gonna do with this new team. Then then when coaches don't succeed, like say he just gets traded immediately, and they gotta rebuild. And that coach struggles in a season or two seasons, and people are starting to question it. Well, what did your star player do? Immediately, did he give you a chance? How can we ask for everybody else in the in the in the league to give them chances when the players aren't when a, a star player like James Harden is not giving this guy a chance or not giving the proper you know back and forth to figure out what's going on? I just didn't like the way he handled it in the beginning. You want to get traded? Be be business like be professional. Still show up to training camp. Still do your job as you're getting paid for, and work through your agent whoever his agent is, ask for a trade, and then you go on from there. The way they handle it with these people just not showing up, I just think it's unprofessional. 
Mike, what are your thoughts here? Do you agree with Coach or do you agree with Paul? I, I agree with Coach, absolutely. In terms of, and everybody's been pr pretty much documenting how James is handling it. It's one thing when you just ask for a trade. It's understandable if you ask for a trade, even though, you know, one could make the clear argument, James, you asked for everything. That's what all the reports were uh, out today. ESPN did an article about he already been asking them to do everything and controlling the franchise. It's like, bro, at some point, when do we take accountability? That's to the... That's kind of to the same conversation we just had about Giannis, about players taking accountability for the failings. It's not always the organization. It's not always somebody else's fault when you when you fail at what you're doing. So I definitely think he's not handling it correctly. And Paul Silas, uh, Stephen Silas, when they asked him two weeks ago, they said, what's going on with James? He hadn't heard from him. So that's to Max's point of this is your new head coach. This is a black head coach, but this is your new head coach. He hasn't heard from you. Nobody in the organization has heard from you. Bro, how you handling this? If you want to leave, just be a professional and leave. But you doing the man grimy like this where he don't even get to hear from you. And every single practice that you miss, he's got to, they're asking him, where's James Harden? And he's saying there's no timetable. Essentially, I don't know. So he got to, you, you leaving your coach to hang out the drive. And this is his first, he finally gets a shot and he's got to deal with the disgruntled, um, um, disgruntled player. And to, really quickly to Paul's point though, it is kind of Steven Silas is not necessarily his fault that James was already pissed with the organization because they got rid of Daryl Morey. So that is where it's like Steven Silas walks into a bad situation, but still James be a professional, handle your business, man. Uh, Ziggy, what do you think here, man? Uh, I think I got to um, echo Mike and um, Max's point. Um, it's definitely unprofessional. Um, I'm, for one, all about bending and sometimes breaking the rules. <laughs> but it definitely didn't look good that, you know, you went to the club and you went partying when your whole team is practicing. Not to mention, you know, they brought over uh, two individuals for you and John Wall, DeMarcus Cousins. Um, like, you never got that opportunity to play with those dudes. And they're looking forward to playing with you. So, is sending mixed messages where John Wall was saying, you know, he's excited, he's ready. DeMarcus Cousins is saying he's, you know, ready to ball, but um, you're nowhere to be found. Um, your people talked about um, uh, James Harden not being able to have the conversation or get in touch with the coach. He also wasn't able to speak to or hasn't spoken to the general manager before, you know, playing um, in that other game the other night. So it's just mixed messages all around. You're the superstar player. You're really supposed to just as Mike said, be professional, you know, show up, come to training camp, do what you got to do, you know, do your job. But at the same time, make it known that you still, hey, I still want to be out of here. I don't need, I don't want to be here. Um, it's just, it's just a bad look. They, they gave you Dwight Howard. They gave you Chris Paul. They gave you Russell Westbrook. And I, I mean, it's just getting ridiculous now at this point. All right, oh, so we have a late coming. Uh, <laughs> Mr. Ray Jarvis is in the building. <laughs> we know I had to get him in here real quick. I know him and Paul have been going at it. But, uh, Ray, what are your thoughts real quick on what uh, Paul had to say about uh, James Harden? And what are your thoughts about, does this have anything to do with him being black and, and how James Harden is acting? In, in the blackest league of them all, are we going to play the black card? I, I, I don't quite follow that. But um, James Harden is just doing your, your, your usual NBA trope. Superstar decides he wants to leave. No. Makes a bunch of noise until he gets traded. We've seen this movie before. There's no need to play a race card when we've seen this movie. The Lakers championship is based on this movie. We've seen it already. You find a superstar who's getting top dollar who wants to be traded. He's done this. I like the, wrink I like the wrinkle of the holdout. That was cute. I enjoyed every second of the holdout. 
But that just shows that James Harden's ready to go. Tillman Fertitta, based on everything I've read and everything I've heard and the people I've spoken to who has some type of connections, is determined to make this work. So we're going to be at a bit of an impasse until James Harden gets traded because the end result will be the trade. I expect a very petty trade, actually. Like, I don't think he's going to Brooklyn. It wouldn't surprise me if a deal comes about where he's in a middle market somewhere because Mr. Fertitta is going to be upset and he's not going to want to put James Harden in a Miami or a Milwaukee or a Brooklyn. I think a petty trade will eventually happen. Will I be wrong? Possibly. But Listen, I don't see this going the way we think it's going to go. I agree. I agree with everything Ray's saying. The only problem I have with it, and I don't know who played the race card. Maybe somebody on this, on this call played the race card and said they did no, it. I don't know who it was. Oh, but um, uh, like when Melo when Melo wanted to get traded from Denver, he still showed up to those games. Afterwards, he said what he had to say. You know, he said, "I, I you guys know I want to leave." The race card came in. Up. Sorry to interrupt, Coach. So the race card came in from Stephen Jackson. Stephen Jackson played it oh, on his podcast. No, but Stephen, ja you got to understand what Stephen Jackson was saying. Card. He was he wasn't playing a race card in that aspect. He was saying that as having a new black coach, this is the not part. how you should have you should have handled. Your holdout. He wasn't saying yeah. he did it because he's black. Mm. He wasn't he's saying, saying that. He that was the saying should have got the extra. Like you should have gave him the. Call. You gotta go to. Yeah. Like you gotta make this man look good. His first ten Absolute press conferences lie. as a right. head coach shouldn't be talking about you not showing up or you partying. You want to be quiet and, and not show up. Don't have Instagram being in LA. I mean, being in Vegas or being in Miami like that. Right. Like that's the things that I think he just he went across wrong with. If you want to get traded. Like you said, all superstars that did it, like Ray said. Superstars say Anthony Davis showed up at the trolled the whole team and showed up with the that's all folks shirt at the end of the season. We get that. But you know what Anthony Davis was that game? He was on the bench with his team. Right. He still didn't just not show up. I have a problem with James Harden just being a diva like that and just saying, mm -hmm. I'm not gonna show up while guys are going and, and working out and, and I'm getting paid the most money. I'm just gonna do what I wanna do. And then all of a sudden he's going to show up at the end. That's the only problem I have with him. You want to get traded, bro? Do your thing. Go where you want to go. What if is he? What if he's just trying to expedite the process of being traded by way of pulling these antics as opposed to waiting until midseason to be traded? I blame his management for that because we we all know who been in the game that you're going to get traded when that deal goes in, whether you don't show up or whether you go to whether you go to the practices. We've seen it. Once they get those, they know you want to leave. There's no more that needs to be said. Everybody knows James Harden wants out. Period. Mm -hmm. If he didn't mm -hmm. show up, he actually, like you said, right? He made it worse for himself. Actually, yeah, he made they, it worse for himself. And they being even more, Houston's being even more petty right now. Like when we talk about them being, they right now they had trades of it. All the rumors was they had trades. They've been up in the price now because they they're telling him, "Yo, bro, we got you under contract for three years to a guarantee. We don't gotta trade you right now because you getting mad and you're gonna be a jerk about it." Nah, man, you sit till I get the best deal I want. So they're gonna, it's like Ray said, like Mac, they're gonna be petty about it. They have already been. Tillman Vertita's not just giving you away for free, bro, and you're making it worse. If I'm Houston, if I'm Houston, I'll wait till I'll wait till the second, third week of the season, see who's not clicking, see mm -hmm. who's supposed to be a contender, a see who's desperate to make a change, and then I'm gonna go get the best offer. And right now, yeah. you have all the leverage in the world if you're Houston. Paul, let me Send ask you this. Paul, 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 let me Send ask you this. Um, That's a fact. <laughs> Siberia, baby. So, so, Paul, <laughs> so, Paul, let me ask you this. Uh, Rick in the comments says, do the Stars owe it to the Black coaches who get a chance to do better? Um, no, they don't. First of all, Black coaches rarely take opportunities where 
their stars anyway. You know, they usually, they don't have the luxury of picking a job. They usually just take the job that's handed to them. You know, like, um, let's look at, uh, who's this guy that got fired from New York, Fisdale. Fisdale was promised the world when he got there. Oh, when your second year, you, we're gonna have enough money to sign KD and this and that, and it didn't happen. So a lot of black coaches, you know, take opportunities like Dwayne Casey in Detroit. So they don't have the luxury of even coaching stars. Um, we look at someone like Monty Williams. Monty Williams is coaching a budding star and an aging star. And, and it's not to say that his job is on the line if he doesn't make the playoffs this year, but how many black coaches over the last, let's say five years have had the opportunity to coach stars or multiple stars? Well, I could name two. I mean, you have Doc Rivers and Ty Lue. And Ty yeah. Lue is coach. I mean, if you want to, I've named well, two. Paul, so. I got a question, Paul. I'm sorry to jump in because I want to understand you clearly. I want to understand your question too, Paul, clearly. Your question to him was, does James Harden owe Steven Silas a No, it was Rick's question. He said, he, he said stars. He said, he said stars in general. Was, well, did what, did what, he just come out the bathroom? My man. <laughs> yo, oh, man. Yo, oh, yo, man. yo, no, wait, wait, wait. Nah, wait, like wait, 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 wait. Like no. He really just come out the bathroom. Oh, we all know that dude was in the fucking bathroom, son. Nah, nah, you small. I'm dead. Nah, you can't do that. Everybody knows you to the building. Nah, 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 nah. Nah, bro. to the building. Nobody saw that? Nobody thought he was using the bathroom. That's he flushed. He flushed. Out. He's Matt, out. go ahead. Matt, go ahead. Sorry, I had to get that no, out. No, I, I was just trying to understand, like, what, can you say verbatim again what Rick's question is, please? Hold on. I, I got to go back and look for it. Give me a sec. Um, because I, I just want – I don't want it to get misconstrued. Like, I really want to to, to to get to what Rick is asking for stars, for black stars or black coaches. Because, you know, um, he if he's asking – While he finds black the, the question – I feel like there's still not enough opportunities for black coaches to coach super teams. Most of the super yeah. teams or the elite teams that we see usually have a white face attached at the coaching yeah. position. Mm. You know, granted, I am on a Steve Nash bus and I didn't think it was nepotism. But again, that could have gone to a black coach, a rookie black coach. You get mm. Mr. Silas in Houston could have got that in Brooklyn. Granted, the players mm. pick Steve Nash, but it kind of highlights the overarching issue that the black coaches are not getting enough of the elite jobs. Yeah, I found the question. Oh so yeah, we said, know that. Yeah, we so know he that said, sure. um, does the panel think NBA stars owe it to the black coaches who get a chance to do better when dealing with them? Listen, what you owe, what I, what I think, what I think, if I if I could jump in, you owe professionalism. Like like you don't you don't owe your career. Like James Harden, where he's at in his career, you don't owe yourself to have to stay in Houston if you don't think you're gonna win and you got four years of being an elite player. You don't owe anybody that just as much as I don't owe St. Francis any of my years that I have left. If I think I have a better opportunity to move on and move someplace better. But what I do owe St. Francis is every day to show up while I'm still getting paid by St. Francis and try to work to the best of my ability and have some kind of loyalty in terms of the people who took a chance and gave me the contract that I have. And just like they gave the contract he has, I think if I'm, if I, even right now, if I want to leave somewhere, 
I think the best thing to do is you go talk to those people. All of the not showing up is what made it look bad because think of this, and it's not the right way. And Ray, I want all you guys to jump in. It shouldn't be looked at like this, but a lot of black coaches in college basketball and and basketball in general, they get jobs because they say, before we're a coach, you're relatable to the players Mm. who play the game. It's not fair. That's mm-hmm. why in college basketball, we have a, a movement where it says we're not just recruiters. We're coaches. We can mm-hmm. coach the game. We know our X's and O's. But let's say they hired Paul Silas because they wanted to keep some con- continuity in t- inside of Houston. Let's say they think that he can get through to the play as well. He can keep these players, you know, in tune and not jumping ship. And the first thing that happens when they hire you is your star player just excommunicates himself that doesn't mm-hmm. help. That doesn't help the overall tone of some of these coaches could come in and right. hold the fort down. It doesn't help the mission. And if James Harden, you got to think of what you're doing for the future. You should have called that man. Let him understand where you're coming from. So the next time he could speak at a press conference, he could say, hey, listen, I'm working on the team that I have right here. We're trying to get better. In regards mm-hmm. to James Harden, when I get new news, we'll talk over new news. But right now I'm going to focus on the guys in this training camp because it's only fair to these guys giving me who are giving me practices right now that I focus on them. In regards to James, we spoke. We're at an understanding. We're going to figure it out. We're going to make moves in the future to see what's best for James Harden's career and what's best for the Houston Rockets. But right now I'm focused on the team I have. That that way he could have handled it like that, and then it's less of an issue. I mean, that, that would have been the optimal decision, and, and it's 100% correct by, by James doing that. It kind of takes – it takes the steam out of the new head coach's position. He didn't get to establish anything. You come in there, you're you're a rookie coach. You're not even a, just a new coach. You're a rookie head coach. You got new players coming in. Like you look at that Houston Rockets roster, and instead of talking to the media about how we're gonna gel, what are we gonna keep from the previous regime? What is the basketball gonna look like? You know, what did my dad have to tell me about being a new head coach? I gotta talk about James Harden and him being right. here, him not being here, giving little baby honey buns and all kind of gifts. It looks like a groupie move from being one honey. Yeah, you know crazy. what I'm saying? It's like these things that we're talking about takes away from the overarching perspective of new black head coach in a semi-major market getting the chance. And it's not like John Wall is not over there. It's John Wall's a brand name last time I checked. So why are we talking about that? Instead, we got to be on a sports hit list talking about James Harden being a thought as opposed to being a professional. And that's tough. All right, guys, before I let you go, uh, KD and Kyrie, did anyone catch the preseason game? Zig, what were your thoughts on KD? Listen, I'm going to be watching. uh, Y'all have said it the other day, but I'll let him say that. But I'm definitely going to be paying attention to a lot of Nets games this year just for the fact um, that they look good playing together in preseason. It, It it looked like they've been playing for years. The chemistry just flowed between the two of them. And Kevin Durant, for that injury that he came off of, he still looks smooth. I'm all, I'm looking forward to the season, man. And like I said, I'll be tuning into those games. I'm looking forward to it. Mike, you and I had that conversation. I told you I was a little bit nervous, but maybe it was that Celtic bias kicking in. But uh, what are your thoughts with, with maybe. KD and Kyrie? <laughs> you said you wasn't nervous, right? <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know, brother. I don't know, man. <laughs> Listen, my team in the East, too. We don't have the same aspirations you had, but just uh, yeah, game. You I better, did. Yeah. You better be. I mean, everything Zig said and then some, brother. It looked easy, too. It looked, it didn't look hard for either one of them. It looked, it looked seamless. 
and yeah. they look real comfortable. And I text some people that night, and I was like, listen, I'm pretty sure everybody in the East, after they saw that game, started praying to the injury gods. I know it was. I don't wish injury on nobody. I, 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 I don't wish I know some of those scumbags was thinking in their mind, like, please. Well, you know, it's funny you say that, Mike, because Manny said that. Manny said he got a few text messages. Manny Schefter said he got a few text messages saying that, yo, I hope they get injured. See, I know, yo, Carl, I know how scumbags think, man. Yeah, like, I was a partial scumbag. Um, I never so, wish injury, but, so, yo, so, they look so, great, brother. So, Ray, let me ask you this. Do you think the Nets are a threat to your throne? For you yo, to, listen, back to back. Listen. As, as I said previously, shout out to Zig. The Yes Network is going to be must-see TV for the Brooklyn Nets. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. If they, it, To me, the Nets, I felt before the season, before I saw a game, they were the number one contenders. It's a preseason game, so what? If you know basketball, you know what you saw. The Nets are the number one contenders. The Nets have everything. They have two superstars. They have versatility. They have shooting. They have bigs. Every, every box you want to check in the current NBA the Nets have it. All of these narratives, and you got a lot of NBA fans who get stuck on their emotions and how they feel about plays, and they don't think about the basketball. Two of the highest IQs in the game are the superstars of the Brooklyn Nets, Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. I don't give a damn about how you feel about them as people or players. When it comes to X's and O's, the NBA is in trouble, okay? Trouble. Okay, so, let me, uh, so, so let me ask the coach. When you put a first-year head coach in Steve Nash with these two superstars, is that enough to get them to to the finals and even win it? Did Steve Kerr get to the finals? I was thinking the same thing. Let me, and, but here's the thing, though: Steve Kerr went into a team that was already together for three to four slip. years. Listen, they, they I'm were, gonna tell you, they, they, yeah, they were together for three to four years. But I mean, when they made that jump, the way they played that year, it, it's you. different. You, you, you know, it's it's not the same as when they first got started. So. You know, I think Steve Nash sometimes, and I, he played this way, so I'm sure he coaches this way. And and I actually, uh, I saw a practice, and I, I kind of figured out like how he's gonna coach. Less is more. You know, when you got that type of talent, less is more. You're not really coaching every minute, every second. Mm -hmm. You're coaching in your mm -hmm. practice. You're mm -hmm. establishing what your tone is, what your mm -hmm. team represents, oh, and you're gonna let those guys play. You know, he's not going to be trying to stop them. And you see what happened already. Kyrie comes out and says in the beginning a couple months ago, oh, we don't really need a coach because he didn't understand because because the way he'd been coached before. This is young Kyrie. This is Kyrie with LeBron. Now mm -hmm. he says, you know what? Let me walk my, my words back. Steve Nash mm -hmm. is a coach because Steve Nash is going to let us rock. And one thing I would say for Nets fans and Nets, and I, I kind of know how the Nets players feel on this, keep the team as is. Mm -hmm. Keep the yep. team as is. You do not need James Harden is a great player, but you do not need anything messing up the chemistry between the, the other fact. two guys. Mm -hmm. Let these guys rock out. Now, if say in one or two years you don't get over the hump, say it happens. Say KD is eighty percent of what he is, and you figure you need another another person, then you take that jump. But year one, year two, Karis Levert, Spencer Dwitty, mm -hmm. those guys keep the team as is and rock out. Can I just say uh, something real quick? Go ahead, sir. Steve, the, you know what? There's a lot of coaches in the NBA who are afraid of the talent. They're afraid to communicate. Brad Stevens. Steve Nash is a grown man, okay? <laughs> like, let, let's not forget. Steve Nash wasn't Just, take, man just take it on the chin. Don't, he wasn't pop, don't do nothing. Man. Just take he it on the chin. <laughs> a two-time MVP, and he was a grown-ass man. And that's going to translate on the sideline. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, one last thought. Uh, the Knicks look good too. I know it's preseason. Oh, chill, on. chill, chill. Stop, stop, they did not look good. Being nice. I'm being generous. No, I'll say this about the Knicks. Well, since since, since uh, everybody knows I'm a Knicks fan, I think for for what the Knicks, the picks they made, they are not trying to embarrass themselves, and that says a lot for the last couple of years. The Knicks got to start with just not embarrassing themselves. That's it. Make solid picks. Don't shoot for the rainbow. Know you're a bad team. Know you're not the number one team in the tri-state area. And just hold it down and to build it the way the Nets the Nets did it like that for years to come. You don't got to be on the top. You don't got to be the, the loudest voice in the room. And you don't got the biggest gun. You got no guns right now. Just chill out. Just chill out. All right. Guys, Um, as you saw the promo yesterday, uh, Christmas Day, 10 a.m. If you guys are available, please pull up as we preview the games and we'll break down the NBA season. Uh, yes, we'll sir. celebrate uh, Christmas and we'll kick off the holiday with uh, with the fans. So uh, 10 o'clock is the live. If you're available, is that 10 a.m. Eastern. Yes, 10 a.m. Eastern. Oh, right. So that's is 9 a.m. for you, bro. <laughs> I know. If you could come, 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 come through. Call, here, call, man. real quick. Over call. Here. Am I am I ahead or behind your guy, Trav, in NFL picks? I just wanted to ask. That uh, you are ahead <laughs> by two games, sir. <laughs> two games. 114, okay. 112. You, you tied Ray last week. You had 11. I, I think that's the fourth time you've had 11 games. Mac, you out here ahead of the football guys. And yes, and yes, football. bro. Yes. Yes. They can't. Listen, I'm in holding it down. That's what I'm talking about, Mac. <laughs> yeah, it's, Mac, 11, Mac. it's almost 11 wins every week on a regular for me. I played yeah, two it weeks is. where I didn't have um, That's my man. That's what I'm talking about. Listen, thank you guys for, for joining me. I think I have to have some set rules. No one using the bathroom. No one flushing on air. Bro, that, that, <laughs> this is what happens when you allow a bozo on your platform. Yo, and I couldn't believe no it. Better than that. <laughs> Nonsense. Oh man. my god. I, I'll, I'll talk to you. The toilet. Oh my god. Yeah. All right, yeah. fellas. I'll talk to you guys soon. Take care. I'll see you next week for the Christmas show. It's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.